0: This is a Defining Moments podcast, and you're talking to Chris Wallace. Wong and I spend some time together today talking about my life. I'm a federal agent and just kind of the way it started and to where I ended up today. It's been a wild ride, and I like to tell a story, and I hope you enjoy it.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Defining Moments Podcast. Welcome back to the Undefeated Show Defining Moments Podcast. We're located in the Triple B OKC in Kyle Golding's beautiful podcast studio. This episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsors, M&D Drilling out of Waller, Texas. I'd like to in- introduce my good friend, Chris Wallace. Thank you for your service to our great country. Hey, Welcome for to the podcast. Me. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah, why don't you tell me. our guests a little bit about you.
0: Well, my name's Christopher Wallace. I am from Oklahoma. I've, I've been born and raised for a lot of my life in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Um, but I, m- I met you in Moore when mm-hmm. uh, we were working out at the gym there at the station. What I do now, I work for uh, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the Air Marine Operations, and I'm my title is an Aviation Enforcement Agent. And what I get to do is I get to fly in airplanes and helicopters, and and you know do a lot of counter narcotics, do a lot of law enforcement missions for Customs and Border Protection.
1: That's awesome and yeah. we're gonna take a dive into that because we're gonna start from the beginning to where you
0: are now however congratulations you just got married recently I did yeah. I did my my <laughs> wife Carrie Wallace uh, we we got married on July 4th which is awesome because yep. we we planned the whole thing where well, my wife planned the whole thing because I was out of town a lot being in Houston um so she planned a beautiful wedding we um she had we had our wedding at the Ollie gathering there off of Northwest 24th in Ollie a uh, great great venue. The reason we had the wedding on July Fourth because everybody's like, "Why would you do it on the holiday?" As where we live in Moore, we our backyard faces Buck Thomas Park, right? Gotcha. And that fireworks display, out of this world. So yeah. we we had our wedding, and then we went over to the Flamingo Tiki Lounge and had had an after wedding drink, just my wife and I, and then it's just a small group of friends. Yeah, we went back to the house and had a blast. And, and that's awesome. I, thank you. Yeah, I'm, it's it was a great day, and and I'm glad that. Uh, that I was able to share it with a lot of friends and yeah. and and do it on the 4th of July. What better time than mm. the, the birth of the, the country, man. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's exactly Celebrate. right. Heck yeah. yeah,
1: America like you mean it, man. <laughs> you know it, right? You know it. <laughs> I love
0: it, man. Hey, you got any friends you want to give a shout out to while we're on the mic? Nah, well, we'll they'll they'll pop up during <laughs> conversation. I don't want to give them any glory right now. They, you know, okay. No, no. Huh? All right,
1: well, let's just take a dive into this, man. Let's start with your story from the beginning.
0: Okay, um, well, I was born in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, uh, uh, back in 1974. You know, it's I'm I'm 49 years old now. I'm I'm pushing it up there. I'm about to go on that 50, you know, and and, and downhill from there, right? But uh, I was born in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Uh, my mother and father were both from the same hometown. Um, you know, a few, a few years they they divorced and my mom married a guy in the Navy and uh, I kind of went left with her. Uh, left Bartlesville, went to Virginia. Lived in Virginia for a few years, and I was fortunate enough to um, go back and spend a year with my dad in, 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 Oklahoma, in Bartlesville. Um, I think I was in third grade, maybe, and spent a year with my dad there, and then um, got the opportunity to go to, to Guam. Or mm. no, I'm sorry, not Guam, Gitmo. Okay. So my, my stepdad was stationed in Guantanamo Bay, and I got an opportunity to go to, to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, on the military base, wow. and live there. Man, that was awesome. I mean, I, I went to a fourth and fifth grade while I was there. Yeah. At a DOD school, got to see all sorts of cool stuff. I mean, tanks rolling down in the back in your like the alleyway behind your house. Yeah. Um. There's for a young guy like that to be able to explore and run around, and that was like where no Top Gun came out. And it was. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a perfect time to be a young man and just be adventurous, you know, and hanging out with the the older the the Marines, the young Marines mm-hmm. that were out there. I get, there's a story where they were building a bunker, so they were digging the sand and filling the sandbags up, right? And they're stacking them up and building this bunker. And they, they called me and my friend over there because we were just kind of hiking around. We, hey, you guys want to see something? Like, well, yeah, <laughs> we want to see something. And um, they have on, on the – they're called banana rats, it's like mm-hmm. big marshal. I don't know what the heck they are. But the reason they call them banana rats is funny because when, when they poop, yeah. it's shaped like a banana. <laughs> So I assume that's why they call them banana rats. Anyway, well, they had a big, like, big python. So they, like, fed, they, like, wa- showed us the, they fed the the banana rat to the python. Wow. It was wow. pretty cool. That's one thing that jumped out at me. Yeah. One of the memories from there. And outside of just seeing all the the, the military stuff. For, mm-hmm. for a young kid, it was Urag, in, into that sort of thing at the time it was, it was pretty ni- pretty nice. Those were, those were good memories. Yeah. Um then I was fortunate, I, I was able to move back and live with my dad and kind of had a steady, steady you know, friend circle, right? Mm-hmm. So I stayed, so I moved to, to Dewey, Oklahoma, and I started uh, Dewey, Oklahoma, I started sixth grade there, and then I finished and graduated from high school there in, uh, in Dewey. Wow. And that was in 1992 is when I graduated high school.
1: From Guantanamo Bay to Dewey, Oklahoma.
0: Right. It's, it's great <laughs> So imagine, you know, making new friends. That some of the stories I was able to talk about, you mm-hmm. know, and some whether they believe me or not. I mean, I was, I was telling <laughs> the true stories. But yeah, it was it made it easy to make friends at first, being the new yeah. guy, right? Sure. But, but yeah, it was. uh I've had some experiences just as a young kid. You know, I mean, being able to fly by myself. You know, back and forth from Virginia to 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 Oklahoma as a young as a, as a kid. That was I've been flying since I was little. Yeah. You know. So. Maybe that's why I enjoy it now so much, yeah. right? Yeah, that's uh-huh. awesome, man. Uh-huh. So, real quick, man, thank you for
1: your service to our great country. We oh. have some swag for you. We, red is our favorite color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we do Red Fridays, so remember everyone deployed, right? And so this is for you. Oh man, thank you so <laughs> much. Oh, that's a pretty cool sticker. Sure it out. Red Fridays, yeah, yeah,
0: awesome, yeah. And we also. <laughs> That's that's awesome, man. Thank you, Lamb. Yeah, appreciate I, I it, you. yeah, for sure. I I do have some some swag for you. So I'm telling you, I was telling some <laughs> of the guys about this at, at work down in Houston. Yeah. And um, I said, like, yeah, this. I met him at the gym, and and he's he invited me to go on a podcast. I've never done <laughs> this, and but I want to give him something to thank him. Yeah. And so they started giving me some ideas to throw into the box. So I've got a box and a couple hats for you. If you'd Sweet. Like to see them. Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. That's awesome, man. Right. So. Got a couple of um air marine oh, ball caps. Heck yeah, maybe for you and, and yeah, whoever, whoever else you want to put it up to. There you go. Yeah, perfect. And then open up that and I'll kind of explain what's yeah, in there a little let's bit. Do
1: it. This is great. Oh man. Alright. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I told you there's all guys were throwing things in Dang, there. Dang. So. This is awesome, man.
0: Yeah. I... All right, let's hear about this coin. Okay, so this coin is when I was a, I, I worked wow. here in Oklahoma City at the National Air Training Center. Okay. So we have a, 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 a CBP Air and Marine Agency or office here where we train a lot of our pilots. Yeah. In helicopters and fixed wing. So what I was doing there it was I was a program manager for our survival and tactics that are aviation recurrent. So we would teach. I had a program where I had guys come and teach survival tactics and and regular like law enforcement tactics. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. So this coin is our um, is the National Air Training Center coin, wow. and then on the one side of it is the Oklahoma City Memorial yep. to to uh, honor the the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm-hmm. So that that's for you. That's a special coin. That's awesome. And, man. and I hope you um, I hope you hold on to that. That's for that's sure. Pretty legit. I got chills, man, because <laughs> I mean it's so detailed, right? It to is. the time,
1: it to the date, and everything. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah.
0: And then that right there is a PVC patch of our unit that I work out of now in Houston. Yeah. I'm based out of Conroe, so okay. They're, they're called Longhorn, so and, and kind of obvious. I, yeah. I hate the fact that you, <laughs> we have to hold it that direction. <laughs> turn yeah, turn upside. Yeah, <laughs> a Longhorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the guys threw in some patches. So that's we have a, awesome, man. Arm sleeve patches. So heck
1: yeah! Uh, wow, U.S. Customs and Border Protection patches. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. This is awesome, man. Keychain too. Mm, enjoy. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, but so
0: th- thanks to those guys, they're awesome. They That's kinda, so good. They razz me a little bit, you know. Yeah, like Hollywood. I'm like, yeah, whatever, guys. I'm That's just, so cool. Just, just a guy being a guy, whatever. Yeah, man. Well, tell yeah. them thank you. From I will. My wife I will. and
1: I, and from our friends here and our sponsors, it's so great. Sure. So great. Sure. So, so let's pick it up from Dewey, Oklahoma.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, man, Dewey, Oklahoma was a great place to grow up. What? Well, <laughs> seriously it really was okay it's a small town yeah it's it's great everybody like so my graduating class of in 92 i had 75 people i think nice 74 75 so everyone knew everyone so when yep. the, it's just you really couldn't get away with anything because everybody's parents knew everybody's parents also but it was a it was a great place to grow up i mean my parents we lived outside of town so we had a acreage so i was able to run around out in the woods all the time yeah. and, and uh and it's just, you kind of grew up that way. You grew up with those values, you know, those country mm-hmm. values, yep. you know. And, and everybody waved each other when you drive past them mm-hmm. on the road. It, just, it was just good country, clean country living. And, and yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. It was great. It had a pond in our back, so I could go fish every day if I wanted to. <laughs> it was just good times. And Dewey was an awesome place. However, it was a small town, right? Yeah. And I had a taste of something else, being as a kid <laughs> traveling so much, right? So after graduating high school, I... I jumped on a plane because my stepmom or my stepdad and my mom were living in Guam. Okay. And he was stationed out there and he was deployed. So my mom was by herself raising my two younger brothers. They're 10 years younger than I am. So she's like, hey, you want to come out here and you know, vacation on an island? And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. So I jumped on a plane and, and flew out to Guam. You know, We flew to L.A. from L.A. to Hawaii and Hawaii all the way out to Guam. It was a wow. long, long flight. And I spent a month or two there. It was really awesome, you know. And my mom's like, well, if you want to go home, you need a good job to pay for your plane ticket back. I'm like, all right. So I ended up getting a job. I worked at a marina out there on the naval base. And then on the weekends, I'd worked out in, uh, called Timoning Bay. I was like a, like a beach boy. I'd rent out umbrellas and, and chairs to, to all the tourists. And, and, and just that's how I made my money. And yeah. I li- lived out there for a year, just kind of hanging out on the island, you know, just doing my thing. It was a great time. And I was, I was, like I was telling you earlier, in Guam, the drinking age was 18. So it was perfect for an 18-year-old man. It was just living your life and, and having fun until you get back to the States. You know, yeah. kind of the speed breaks and back to just normal living, you know. <laughs> but that, you know, I went out there to Guam and I spent a year there and then moved back to, to the States and kind of aimlessly wandered through life until mm-hmm. until uh, 1995 and that's when I joined the military.
1: Yeah, how was that? Joining the military? Mm-hmm. What made you decide to join the military and serve?
0: So a defining moment, right? There you we go. talk about this. Um, my stepfather, uh, he used to be a recruiter in the Navy, and he was still in the, in the Navy when, um, when I joined. He was in Corpus Christi, and I kind of meandered my way down there and found a place to work, and I was working. But he was like, you've you got to do something in your life. You know? I'm like, yeah, I know, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm 20 years old. I'm doing stuff um he kept sending a naval recruiter to my job right (laughs) he kept sending this guy to my job and then finally i broke down like fine we'll talk but he has to talk to us at our house so my stepdad can kind of make sure he's not bsing me or whatever (laughs) and uh and that's kind of how it happened the the recruiter came over we had a good conversation he offered me a few different a few different jobs uh, which one of them was very i don't know if it's like a hard to fill thing but i was not they offered me to be a, a cook on a submarine, and okay. I was like, oh, it's a great job, man. We <laughs> You do great at it. And then I knew you know, being a military brother, that was not a good job. So it all worked out, and then I, I chose a job in the military to be, I was an air traffic controller. Mm. And then then uh, the next thing I know, I was off to uh, Great Lakes, Illinois to, to go to boot camp in, in May of 1995. Wow. Yeah. I turned 21 in boot camp. Thirteen days in the boot camp, to be exact. So, man, yeah, yeah. it was a great twenty-first birthday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How long did you serve? Ten years. Ten years. Well,
0: just a, like three days shy of ten years.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. What has the military taught you?
0: It's taught me patience. It, it's taught me um, to really appreciate family mm. and um, and appreciate your friends and uh, appreciate your country. 'Cause you you travel and you see when you're in other countries how different it is. Yeah. You know, and how much we have here in comparison to other people in other countries. You know, mm-hmm. some of them are, you know, they're they're first world countries, but they're just not on the same level as the, as, as America. Mm-hmm. America is how it yeah. is. But the Navy taught me a lot. They 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 taught me a trade, of course, to be an air traffic controller. I, I was able to apply that for 10 years, you know, in, in multiple duty locations. And mm-hmm. my first duty location, I didn't even want to go there. Because and who, who doesn't want to go to Pearl Harbor, Hawaii? Yeah. Me. I said, I don't want to live on an island again. I've lived on an island. I don't like it. I've been there. So my first duty station was in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I spent, I spent three and a half years there until I had the opportunity to go on an aircraft carrier, And then I moved to the East Coast and I spent the rest of my time in uh, Virginia. Wow! Yeah, man. Yeah, so that the last seven years I was in Virginia, uh, a full you know I did a two full deployments, war war deployments as a mm-hmm. matter of fact, and we when uh, we were at, at war with Kosovo, mm-hmm. uh, and we were helping, we were supporting, we were going against Milosevic. so we were supporting all of that. So I was there, and and then um, right after September 11th, we deployed. And we're we're gone. We we deployed on September 19th. 2001 and for 159 days we didn't we stayed in the on the boat we were out in the ocean wow and we finally we we stopped and and pulled into port and to take a break Mm -hmm. right um so you have to understand when you're you're out to sea that long about every 45 days you'll stop right stop all flight operations and they call it a still beach picnic and every 45 days if you know the next 45 days you're still not going to be going to shore you get a ration of two beers <laughs> awesome. there's ways guys defeated the ration of two you know they, they've had more than two but um yeah so we were we were gone uh, for a good seven months for mm-hmm. that deployment and uh i when i came back i transferred to another uh, like a shore duty yeah type of deal there in uh, oceana in virginia beach and finished out my time there and when I was up to re-enlist, I opted not to because I missed a lot of the first for my son. Sure. When I was deployed, I missed his first steps. I missed a, his first birthday. I missed a whole lot of things. And I had a, a young daughter that was born in 2003, and I didn't want to miss any of that again. I didn't want to miss the kids growing up. Mm-hmm. and opted to <laughs> see if the grass is greener on the other side you know, yeah. and left the military. Yeah,
1: Is the grass greener? Now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean,
0: it was tough at the beginning. Yeah. It really was. It was a challenge. Yeah. yeah.
1: What does that being an American mean to you?
0: It means um, having pride in, in yourself, having pride in um, the people around you. I mean, not necessarily... Some of the other things that that everybody's dealing with, it's how you carry yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to have pride in yourself to be an American. Mm -hmm. I mean, you may not have the same values or or agree with the people that are going on around you, but you have your own American values and you carry that. And Mm -hmm. it it really is, it's kind of regionally based where you live. So Some people carry American values differently than others. Mm -hmm. And, And it's just in this neck of the woods, we have a really... You know, true to heart American values, and, and that's just, you know, true blue. We love the American flag and mm-hmm. apple pie and baseball and, <laughs> and all that, you know, the the cliche sort of thing. It's kind of how we are, and that's, that's what American means to me. And it's just, thank God I was born and I grew up in America, mm-hmm. you know, perfect. Yeah. Can't complain one bit.
1: No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And so you went to air air traffic control school, mm-hmm. and then you became an air traffic controller,
0: right? Yes. How was that? That was fun. Yeah. Right, so <laughs> a majority of my air traffic control experience has all been in a radar room. Okay. I've never been one of the guys that stands in those big, tall air traffic control towers looking out the window. I've, I've never got the opportunity to stare out the window to do any of that. So it's always been a challenge. It's, like, it's almost like a video game. You know, you're thinking, you're talking, and you're trying to keep these little dots from running into each other. Okay. So it's a challenge. I mean, the learning part of it was always a challenge at first, and mm-hmm. then you get get used to it, right, and then yeah. you train, and then, and it's the difference with, with air traffic, well, not difference, but in air traffic control, wherever you go, you have to retrain. You're, you're always learning. So okay. when you go, like I went to, Ver, to Hawaii, and then I learned how to be an air traffic controller, then I learned how to do it in, on this part of the, like the area. And then I learned how to do it on another part of the area, and then you finally you get qualified in all the different parts of that area, and you're good. You're fully certified, and then you can you run it all by yourself. Nobody needs to hold your hand. And then you transfer and you go somewhere else, and then you have to relearn everything all over again. It's a different thing. Yeah. And then on a on a ship, the runway moves. It turns. You know. So you you'll have guys lined up ready to land. And then the the ship turns twenty degrees, and you have to, oh crap! You know yeah. so you have to you know turn all the airplanes and get them lined back up behind the the uh, the runway so you can land them. Wow! So it it's a challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge, especially when you're in the Persian Gulf. It's a challenge because there's there's a little island off the coast of Iran called like Barsi and if that's an Iranian island, and sometimes we're pretty close to that and when we have airplanes waiting to land, they kind of marshal. They they go like about twenty one miles behind the ship, and they just Going circles, waiting to be called in land. Yeah. So and sometimes you stacking them up, and then they get close to that island. It gets it gets nerve wracking. I bet. I bet. Yeah. It's uh, we've had. I mean, I can tell you a story. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> some funny stories. I have a great friend. So this guy, I met him on on the boat. He he owns. He runs. He has his own company now. His name's uh, Keith Wilson. It's called Fierce Technologies. Guy's like a whiz. I remember him telling me one day he was going to be like Bill Gates guy is a computer whiz has a, he's had multiple companies brought him up sold them and brought another company up so so I met Keith on the boat and he has some great stories I mean this this guy was he was a he used to fuel like a, they were called fuelers he used to fuel airplanes and he was he told me a story about how one night they were fueling an airplane or something like that and one of the F14s turned and the jet blast blew them both off the side of the boat well Below the flight deck, there's these big chain nets, yeah. like metal mesh nets. Well, he landed in that, but the other guy did not. He went overboard, and they couldn't find him. You know, So Keith is very, this guy has like 21 lives. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but uh, another time, he was in between the military, I think it was, and he was in California as a pilot also. There's something that happened to his airplane. The engine went out, and he crash landed in the mountains. You know, And he had to survive for a day or two until somebody came to get him. Wow. So anyway, so that that's a story about a friend. So yeah. Keith, really great guy. He's um, a great dude. He has an awesome company called Fierce Technologies. Um, it's a it's a web based deal. They do a lot of um, volunteer stuff, and and it's great guy. I mean, if you have a chance to look him up sometime, just you know, Google it. Yeah. Cool guy. Yeah. So he has his own social media stuff too. It's, it's really neat, you know. Going back to it, I've I've witnessed airplanes crash. You know, I've, I've witnessed hmm. an F-14 crash land on the on the flight deck when he was pitching up when he went to land the uh, ship pitched up and it broke the land the rear landing gear and he's he grabbed the the hook or the hook grabbed the cable and skidded yeah. across the flight deck yeah
1: dang yeah, it's
0: fun stuff i mean it, you get to see things you never thought you would see before right yeah. and yeah. we had we had another airplane had i guess it took off it was during a war deployment so they were fully loaded with with, well this guy was a tanker so he's fully loaded with gas but all the other jets were taken off with bombs he took off had fire or smoke in the cockpit and had to come around and land and when he finally was able to land he crashed and it split the uh, the external fuel tank and it lit the whole flight deck on fire so it shut the flight operations down so these guys are coming back from dropping bombs and the guys that launched they're coming back with all their stuff so we have i mean we have all these guys waiting to land everybody's running out of gas and it was, you know, you're busy for an hour, hour and a half trying to sort everything out while, yeah. they, while the ship's getting, clearing the flight deck so they can land all these planes. Because you can't mm-hmm. do anything about it. You can send them, they can go and fly into, like, a friendly place and yeah. land or whatever. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was fun. The ship life was different, and it was always exciting. it's Groundhog Day most of the time. You just <laughs> work and you go to sleep, work, go to sleep. But yeah. uh, those, those were good times. The, the, you think about it and you, know, you look back on some of the stories and they're they're good to talk about. And then, then you go, oh yeah, then you remember all the crappy things you had to put up with, you yeah. know? And, and those you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know. What are some of the crappy things
1: you put up with?
0: You wait in line for everything. <laughs> I mean, the, the ship is 5,000, 6,000 people on board. Mm-hmm. And you wait in line to eat, you wait in line to go to the store, you wait in line to take a shower. You know, all wow. of that stuff. It's just yeah. the waiting in line was the worst part about it. Yeah. You know, you have to plan ahead. You know, if you want to get things taken care of. Yeah. But I would say that would be that would be the worst part about it. Mm. Um, and then the, just the opportunity to travel. We didn't. I didn't get to go a whole lot of a whole lot of different locations because we're in a big nuclear aircraft carrier. So there's not a lot of spots we can just slide on in and go visit. <laughs> but. I was fortunate I got to go to like Palma, Spain, and and Turkey, and Greece, and, yeah. and Bar, You know, just some some of those cool, cool places out in the Mediterranean. And I went to Cannes, France. That was pretty cool, you know, and going wow. out there, went to the yeah. casino in, in Cannes. You know, it was, it was good times, but. That's awesome, man. So yeah.
1: for visual purposes, how big are these ships that you're on, these
0: aircraft carriers? <laughs> Visual purposes? Yeah, just, I want to, so, are yeah. they're, they're huge. Imagine just acres, uh, uh several acres. I, I forget, there's a, a term, like, 100 sovereign acres of U.S. sovereign land, something like that. It's not that big, but like, one solid, solid, solid acre of U.S. sovereign land floating around in the ocean. It's a huge area. I mean, we can have, you know, I don't know how many planes, It probably 50, 60 aircraft could be on there. Wow. You know, and then with five, 6,000 personnel, I mean, it's. It's a, it's a city. Yeah. It's a, city. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a city
1: on, in the sea. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. It's,
0: yeah. And those are good times. And then, yeah. then fortunately after that, I, I transferred to, o, to, to Oceana, to the Virginia beach, and then kind of wrote out my time there just mm-hmm. working. And then Keith, the guy I was telling you about on the ship, he yeah. came and worked for me there in, uh, in, at uh, the fast fact. And we were such good friends and he was building his company, you know, and, then. We worked things out to where he would work for me during the midnight shift so he could work on his business during the day, and he would, he would kind of control the airplanes at night. You know?
1: Yeah. So, we were good,
0: good friends, man. Yeah. So how did you get to where you are now? So I wanted to be an air traffic controller. So okay. I, I got out of the military, and, and I moved back to, uh, to Bartlesville. It's kind of a safety, safety net there. My parents are there, and then and my, my wife and two young kids, we kind of moved there and just to have a safety net. And I had all my eggs in that one basket, which probably isn't a good idea. You know <laughs> when you have a family, to have all your eggs in one basket, and I had applied with the FAA, and by the time they looked at my my resume and my application and went through it all, they told me I was too old to be a new hire because apparently you have to be hired by before your thirty second birthday. okay? because you're, you they want you to work for twenty years. and then your mandatory retirement, I think, be, to be on position, I think it's fifty-two. I don't. I don't know. I kind of after I wasn't hired, I really didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, so they they told me, that, hey, you're 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 sorry, we can't hire you. You're beyond the the age that we can hire. I'm like, okay, if I would have retired from the military, that would have been. I could have could have got a job with them, but I didn't. I had just ten years, and so I looked at my my wife at the time. I was like, well, now what are we gonna do? You know, I said, and. Uh, Fortunately, fortunately, she was working at a um, at a Dillard's there, and she met the guy who was working security. And the guy said, "Hey, you know, I'm, I work at the police department. Have him come and apply there at the police department." So she told me about it, and I, I reached out to him and talked to him, and I, I went in and, and talked to the guys, and and I ended up applying to work at the Bartlesville Police Department. And <laughs> that is the that is where I made that career change. That whole trade you know, uh-huh. went from air traffic controller to law enforcement and wow. I've been doing that ever since and that was when I 2000 and no, no it 1997 is when I was hired with the police department. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere around there, I think. Yeah, 97. do it's it's, the years kind of mold together <laughs> now, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but
1: so so from there you're you're not just a police officer, you're in the air, you're scoping different things out. Now, well, at, right? at
0: that point in time, no. I'm just a beat cop. I'm just a police officer. Okay. I'm, I'm working in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Um, I, I worked there for a couple years, and um, then I I have a neighbor. So this is another defining moment in, in my life, right? And yeah. we talk about this, and this is what your podcast is about. It's the people in your life that will can make you or break you. And there's people that are positive, and there's people that are negative, try to bring you down. Well, this my neighbor across the street from me. His name was Walt, old Walt Harlow. God bless his soul. He's passed away. But his daughter and his son-in-law worked for ICE, Immigration, Customs, and Enforcement. And he was telling me, he's like, man, you need to apply for a federal job. You spent 10 years in the military and you're going to waste that whole 10 years. You could go get a federal job and buy that 10 years back and, and get that towards your retirement. And he said, you got to do it. Well, you know, Walt, this is kind of a—I'm still learning this job. You know, he's like, "Nah, man, go. You—you be—you can be a, a cop for the government. Just try it." So, one day, because all cops need multiple jobs because you have to pay the bills. Because being a police officer doesn't pay yeah. well in most towns. I think more those guys get paid a handsome, yeah, a yeah. handsome way. Those guys are awesome. <laughs> but uh, so I was—I was working one of my part-time jobs, and I was—I was a security for for a company, and. I was just surfing the internet, and I looked up, you know, customs and border protection. And they said they had options, border patrol agent or customs officer. So I didn't, I didn't know what, what they were. So I called up, and, and, and I asked them, I was like, so what's the difference between a border patrol agent and a customs officer? <laughs> and the person on the other, other line kind of snickered, and I said, well, do you like hiking, or do you like standing, like, at airports or, or something like that? I'm like, well, I'd rather hike than stand in an airport. Because, well, you want to be a Border Patrol agent because the, the, the field operations guys, they work at airports and they stamp passports and, and things like that. I'm like, that's not fun. So I did that. So then I applied with the Border Patrol. And uh, you know, lo and behold, I was fortunate enough that they hired me and I got to go and work for the Border Patrol, Man. which it was pretty cool. It was, it, was, it was a fun job. There's lots of fun stories with that. Yeah.
1: So I want to hear some of these fun stories. And what year was that for Border Patrol? Ah, uh, let's
0: see here, 90, it was 97, the, 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 July 97, I'm trying to get my numbers right here, so 95, is 90. yeah, it's like July 97-ish, yeah, because yeah, okay. I was at the police department for almost two years, or, or just about two years, and yeah, I went to, uh, I spent the ju- ju- 4th of July at, in Artesia, New Mexico, at the patrol okay. training facility, yeah okay I'm familiar with our are you? I yeah I am yeah it's uh, it's, uh yeah it's a, it speaks for itself doesn't it It, yeah, it sure does yeah
1: it sure does yeah. so some of these fun stories and before we get into the fun stories is you, know, you see or I see when I take a glance at like local news or national news it's like oh it's not that bad at the border mm-hmm. where are
0: some of the fun stories you have oh on the bo- Oh man there so where I worked at I worked in San Diego so mm-hmm. So I'm fortunate. There's a lot of guys that their first places they work are out in the middle of nowhere where they have to drive from town, you know, an hour just to get to where they're they're supposed to be on the border. I was fortunate. San Diego. You're living close to a big city. Um, the beach is right there, right? Um, and then they have the Otay Mountain Range, and that that's where I worked at. It was, it was Brownfield Station is the name of our Border Patrol station. So we had the Otay Mountain Range. So I worked out in the mountains. I hiked all the time. Um, it's for me for that job at the time was like playing hide and seek. Mm. It really was, it was an adult game of hide and seek. They were trying, the, um, the immigrants were trying to get into the country without being detected. And my job was to go and, and use our, our technology and then go and verify that technology with, and see if there's footprints on the dirt trails and follow the footprints. Hmm. and then radio and let my my guys know up ahead of me and say hey this is this is good for you know a group of people and i'm going to start following them you know and, and that was just a that was a day to day thing and you know, go check footprints follow footprints and you could follow the same footprints for several days i mean they would make it that far wow and then because they they had like a, a, a there's like a couple of highways that they were trying to get to where they can get picked up so if they made it to one and they let they leapfrogged over it and continued they're going to go to a different one and you would just follow the footprints and go home the next day, go pick up where you left off and follow it. And then finally you catch up to them because wow. they take breaks and, and you just, everybody's in the border patrol agents are uh, a majority of the border patrol agents are really super fit guys. They stay act, active and it's because you're always walking around doing mm-hmm. things. You know, yeah. But yeah, and in California was a great time. It was, yeah. it was, it was good work. And then when they they really, they built the, the big bollard fencing, the tall 12, 15 foot fencing. And it slowed. I, I I saw a. I mean, it was markedly it it slowed the immigration down where we had the big tall fencing. Mm. It it really did. It it got to where work was boring. <laughs> you know, you would be sitting on a on a night shift and you'd hear uh, a sensor go off and somebody would go and check the sensor and see the footprints and be like, oh yeah, this is good for a couple, good for two people, three people. So you'd have like four or five different guys trying to catch these these three people, and they end up you know, can't find them because everybody's trying too hard to find them. They end up hiding or something, you know. <laughs> so it, it got it got boring at times, but um, it worked. I know the fencing worked out in, in in California. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What about some of your other friends that are down maybe further
0: east? Further east, yeah. Um, I know I know they're not enjoying life right now. Yeah. Yeah, they, it's just they're it's some of the, all the things that we were trained to do. It was kind of we're not able to do those sort of things. I mean, they're they're busy inside um, processing the immigrants as they they come in and process these these uh, you know asylum claims and and all sorts of things like that. So it it's kind of they're dejected in a way. Mm. You know, when I talk to them, like they they try to convince me to come down there and and help them out. I'm like, there's no way, dude. I'm I don't want to do that. That's I don't want to be in the in the processing, punching on a computer. i yeah. got I'm I'm having fun what I'm doing, but yeah, you know it's they're they're kind of bummed, but they're muddling through it. I mean, you just kind of do that. Things change all the time, so and then next thing you know, we'll be busy again, and, yeah. and be able to do our jobs the way we want to the the way that we should be able able to do it. Although at least that's what they're saying, you know. Yeah, so it sounds like it, it goes
1: from stopping to now it's like they're coming over and you're just processing them. Yeah. Almost. It, yeah.
0: It, it's, you know, there's, there's others, I mean, they're still trying to come across without being um, detected. Mm. So they still have that the right. aspect of it where they get to go and chase sign and, and, and try to catch him. Um, so then the guys are having fun, and, and, but it's just a little bit different. They're inundated with work right now. Yeah. It's yeah. just too much. Yeah. More paperwork so. instead of the. Uh, More paperwork. Concept. I mean, just, just everything. It's just they're busy. Yeah, and right now with the summer, it's so dang hot, mm-hmm. and then they're yeah. out there just busy. Yeah, what's the yeah. morale like? One to ten, ten being the best, zero being the worst. And that's that's tough. I haven't spoken to anybody recently. The last time I spoke to him, I it was I know, a year, or a year ago or so, maybe just not even a year. It wasn't good. I would say yeah. three, four ish. Mm. Not they weren't too happy. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. Man. I feel bad for him. I mean, I'm I I, I know it's selfish of me to say, but I'm glad it's not me. Yeah. I feel I feel really bad for him. Um and a lot of those guys are my brothers, you know, but it just they're just you know it's just part of life. Man. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta do things you don't like doing. Just sure. you gotta just get the job done no matter what. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about to where you are now with your job. Ah. So my job now is an aviation enforcement agent. So I it's a funny story. When I live when I was living in Corpus Christi before I joined the military, they have um, they have these big airplanes, P threes, and they were US customs P threes. I'm like, man, I wanna know I wonder what that is. Didn't really think too much about it after that, but then uh full come full circle, you know, being in the Border Patrol and then I remember that, you know, I, and I saw I was like, Man, I wanna do that. So the whole <laughs> time I was right right after the Border Patrol Academy, right when I was getting into Becoming a Border Patrol agent, I was already applying to be an Air Marine agent. Right. Tried and tried for years, you know, and I had a buddy, a classmate of mine. He and I worked together on our resumes, and he was an Army guy. He had some Black Hawk crew chief experience, and he ended up getting hired uh, on one of the announcements we applied together with, and I didn't. So he's like, hey, I got you, because I helped him with all of his, his resumes and stuff. He's like, I got you. I'll you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. So it took three or four years. But he was in Miami, and he was able to get me over to Miami, get me hired with through a. I don't know how they did it. They had sent out an announcement, and I applied for it, and they brought me right over. So, yeah. so I left. Uh, I left San Diego, and moved my my budding family. All the way to to Miami, Florida. That's a long drive, man. It was, wow. It was, was a long, long drive. Took two days to drive through Texas. I think it was took forever. <laughs> From el paso all the way to uh to louisiana it took forever yeah but yeah it was um that was interesting then i so i moved to, to miami and uh I, I know you've probably seen the old miami vice shows yeah right? or you've seen cocaine cowboys and all yeah. that good stuff that there's some old timers there when i first got there that were there in the in the 80s that wow. were working there and they had great stories i I can't really tell any of those, yeah. you know, because they're probably all copyrighted because they have their yeah. own stuff. But um, they had great stories. And these guys, man, they would get in the helicopter and Bermuda shorts and a Bermuda shirt. And they would go fly and chase down, you know, these guys that are dumping loads of, of drugs out of airplanes. So they was just great stories. And now yeah. I was just a wild west back then, you know. Yeah. So I was excited getting to Miami. We're going to have some fun, you know. And the whole. Job there is, is a lot of a majority of it is just all counter narcotics Trying to stop the drugs from making it to mainland US. Because mm. there I mean there's not a whole there's some immigration issues like say with the Cubans Yeah, but um, a majority of our job was we would try to stem the flow From uh, the Cuban migrants coming up and, and sometimes it'd be Dominican migrants, but we'd stem that flow but a lot of it was just um, resp- trying to do counter narcotics yeah. And so we'd fly, we we had Black Hawk helicopters in Miami. Um, we had some small light um enforcement helicopters, we would do surveillances to support other agencies for like, buy bus or mm-hmm. or things like that. Um and then we had these big air airplanes called Dash Eights that we use for our maritime surveillance. So we had a radar on this airplane that would see that would search the ocean for, for small targets for vessels. Wow. So that's how we would find boats and and particularly at night when they would be out when the boats aren't usually out, these guys are out running around, and you just—it was like shooting fish in a barrel sometimes. So, but that's what—that's kind of what I did in Miami. There's a lot of other little things I did while there, while I was there. Yeah, you know, they were fun that we were talking about. But uh, it was a good time. I made a lot of great friends, friends there. You know? Yeah, yeah. Did a lot of cool things there too.
1: So. What's A couple? Can you? Talk about a couple of your maybe missions or things that you went on without naming people or
0: things yeah okay so i've got it i've got a good one um i don't know if you remember when was it it was you remember when the, there were two pennsylvania state troopers that were coming out of one of their troops and a guy shot at him and, and tried to kill him yeah troops. Eric yes. Freen, right this, yes. this kid i do remember so, that yeah Hearing about it, uh, my my buddy and I, the guy that brought me over to Miami, Edgar and I, we were um were, right. masters, so we we would teach rappelling and fast roping, so we were in Richmond, Virginia, teaching a um, U.S. Marshal was it Marshals? No, it is a- U- ATF one of their SRT um, schools. So we were teaching the guys um, hearsting or fast roping and rappelling. Well, that happened, and we were tasked to go to um, Pennsylvania to support that. So we were going to meet the, we were going to meet Bortak there, the, the, the Border Patrol's tactical team. Uh-huh. So we flew our helicopter up to Pennsylvania and we were at this Ford operating position. The Bortac guys came in and we spent days like flying in the in the mountains there looking for this guy. And we, you know, we had guys come in. we get relieved by another crew and we'd go back home to Miami. But that was one of our missions, you know, and then guy wow. you know, getting caught. You know, and, and that, that worked out really well. Yeah. That was fun. I probably shouldn't tell this, but so one day, so the Blackhawk has a really good downwash. It's got a lot of like 150 mile an hour winds coming off the blades when it's underneath the helicopter. Yeah. So we're flying, we have a team in the helicopter and we're kind of flying low and slow over the treetops, kind of opening up the trees so we can see down. <laughs> well, apparently, one of the trees had the, the, Branches had broken and, and hit a transformer and lit, and the transformer caught fire and put power out for this whole section. Oh, no! And it was our fault, but the, thankfully, the, the Pennsylvania State Troopers they they kind of covered for us, yeah. And, and you know, but yeah, that was a pretty funny story. I was like, yeah, maybe we should get climb yeah. up a little bit, you know, we're a little low, but yeah. Um, some other missions, like I was telling, um, one of the jobs we had there in the blackhawk especially out over the open ocean, is called, called Air Disabling Fire. So we would mount, at the time, Barrett 50 cal rifles in the in the gunner's window. Okay? Wow. And we would deploy these onto vessels that were failing to stop. So they are loaded down with drugs, and they wouldn't pull over. They wouldn't stop for us. So they wouldn't stop for um, one of our other units. So we would have this 50 cal rifle and to, that would d- disable the boat engines. Essentially yeah. what we do is that helicopter would get low next to the, next to the boat, you know, and, and the... The rifle operator to try to shoot the engine and, and disable it. Yeah. You know That was one of the jobs that I got to do, man. It was, it was so, there were a lot of opportunities, man. It was, it was a great time. <laughs> and for just a guy wanting to have a good time, I mean, you couldn't ask for more, right? You're know, yeah. fast roping and, and rappelling out of a helicopter. You're shooting guns out of the helicopter. They have another, it's called uh, air cover rifle or air crew rifleman where they, we have, um, at the time we were using SCARs. 308 scars and it's just like you would cover it's like when warrant services if we'd be in the air and the guys would cover the the team Uh for any any like threats or whatever so there's all sorts of fun things to do back then it was I'm kind of older now so I don't (laughs) don't do it as much I'm kind of got the easy life but back then it was a great time yeah I remember I remember one time I was uh working like in the desk and the guys are in the helicopters like hey we're, we're gonna get some currency doing some repelling and um, the guy calls me and says, "Hey, get out here you know you get some currency so i come running out there you know putting all my gear on <laughs> as i'm running out to the aircraft and we take off and we had rigged the uh, we rigged the helicopter where we were going to repel from the floor for some reason i don't know i wasn't paying attention i don't know why he did it but like normally when you when you kind of go out of the helicopter, you just kind of, you're on the rope and you just dive out head first, yeah. right? And you swing under it and you just rappel down. Well, I did my normal dive out, but when my foot swung up, my foot, my arm, my leg got pinned between the floor of the helicopter and the rope. So I'm dangling by the weight of my body with the rope coming across my calf, holding me upside down Dang. under the helicopter. And the guy was like, ah, freaking <laughs> out. I'm like, hey, I'm fine. I'm attached. I'm good. Just yeah. get me in the damn helicopter. <laughs> So it it was pretty funny. We we had to land, and he had to run to the bathroom. He scared the crap out of him apparently. And wow. then uh, the the only thing I regret was I didn't get a chance to redeem myself because we, the weather came in and yeah. we had to shut down flight ops. So I I, I looked like a fool, yeah. you know, hanging upside down <laughs> under the helicopter. I didn't get to redeem myself. That was a pretty funny story. Oh man! Uh, yeah, it was, it was good. And then then our mission with the with the the airplane was has always been great. Yeah. A big airplane, you walk around in it. Has yeah. a bathroom. A lot of the, a lot of the airplanes we have are real small, you know, and mm-hmm. cramped. The Dash Eight, just like a P3, you can maneuver, walk around and, and enjoy life, and it has all this equipment that we use to look for, look for these uh, these boats or yeah. these people, you know. Good times. Yeah,
1: it's a good times. Is it is it kind of like the movie Bad Boys Two in Miami when you got helicopters flying low and they're shooting at these uh, drug boats, blowing out the engine to, to stable them. Are those scenes similar? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. I mean, in in a way, I mean, in a way, I mean, yeah,
0: not as glorified. Right. right. <laughs> but it's funny you say that because I know there was a Fast and Furious. I don't know which one it was, but they were filming it there in Miami, and uh-huh. they actually—I wasn't there at the time—but they had like a bunch of the Fast and Furious cars there at our at the Air Branch, and they had oh, a that's bunch pretty pictures cool with them and stuff. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was those good times, man. And then, um, I had the opportunity to take a job here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. After that. And then I, I moved here. Okay. And, and that's, that's kind of where we met while I was yeah. working here. And we have a training center. It's called the National Air Training Center here in Oklahoma City. It's mm-hmm. over by Will Rogers. You know where the, uh, the rental car center is? Uh, yep. Right across the street. Okay. Is where our, our, we call it the castle. It's like the administrative building. Yeah. And then, then if you were look, kind of catty corner towards the the, air, towards the runway, yeah. that first hangar you see by the pump jacks is our, our hangar that we have. Okay. There we have the light enforcement helicopters and, like, Cessna small fixed-wing aircraft. And they do flight assessments for people who are, are applying for the job. Dang. So they do their flight assessments there for the pilots. And then um, we do some other training. That's where all our administrative stuff. So we do a lot of uh, just a lot of the tra- the flight training there, yeah. for the most part. We have simulators and all that good stuff. That's awesome. And then my job there I w- was we had a, a program called STAR survival tactics, aviation recurrent. So the agents, the pilots and the aeas, they have a, a requirement to attend this every five years for recurrency training. And they would come and we would have a, a five days where we would teach these guys. Stuff. Mm-hmm. So on the first day, we would teach them medical. So just basic trauma medicine, you know how to apply a tourniquet, how to put a chest seal on yeah. how to treat a wound, you know, and so we would do that, and then we would run through simulations. We'd have scenarios, and they'd come in and, and apply what we taught them in the morning, you know, some tactic stuff. We'd yeah. teach them. We would up, you know, update them on. The, we'd bring lawyers in from from government lawyers from Artesia. Mm-hmm. They'd update them on the laws. We'd bring guys in from the air marshals from Dallas, and they would teach the flying arm portion. So there's things that we have to, to know what to do because we had... When we fly, we fly armed. Mm. So there's tactics that we have to know how to do if we're the only one on the airplane and there's no air marshal. Yeah. So they help us with that. That's pretty Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, What else do we do there? It's been a while since. It was my, I used to manage that program. Okay. And uh, before, that was what I was doing before I went to Houston. So I managed that program. And we had a a lot of great support with Uh the local police departments because we would use those guys as our role players. We pay and They come in and spend time with with us on on a on a Thursday and on a Friday, and and they would they would be like the op, the opposition force, mm-hmm. and uh, with our against our agents. And what was great about it was that they were they would be able to put their two cents in, right, and help the guys. And, mm. Hey, this is how we see it, and this is some of the techniques we use, and 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 all yeah. that good stuff. So That's was cool. Guys teaching guys. You're always learning, you know, yeah. and 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 it helps out because the feds. A lot of the guys that we have. I mean, it's just we're a professional law enforcement organization, but we're also pilots and, and, and that sort. So sometimes their piloting job is more, they're more in tune with that than the, mm-hmm. the cop part of it. Cause they're not, they're not necessarily going to always be the guys that are out on the ground, putting hands on people. So, yeah. so we have to update them on that. Good yeah. stuff. But It's a great place, man. I really enjoyed the, the management there. I got to meet a lot of cool people and work with a lot of, People I met um, Representative Bice there. Mm. She came and I we were able to give her a tour and had a meeting with her. Um, Mr. Langford came through one time. Wow. Um, we supported um, when the the Indian Territory was going back. You know how recently most of Oklahoma is now Indian <laughs> Territory, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, um, at the time the Attorney General was um, Mr. Barr, mm-hmm. so he came to go do something that, with it. And we were there as a as a support with one of our ha- aircraft in case there was a medical emergency. We were there to we were there with his with the FBI with the FBI SWAT. And one of the guys we we knew he was a, he was a, a former Navy SEAL and mm-hmm. he was working with them. But anyway, we were there for medical support in case something happened. And he came by and and told us thank you or whatever. So I got to meet yeah, that's some, cool. some people, you know. Yeah, yeah. The one person I do remember meeting that meant the most to me. Way back in the military, when I was on the boat, I got to meet Jessica Simpson. That was pretty cool, <laughs> <laughs> right? When you're on a boat for a friend, you know, and Jessica Simpson, it was during Christmas, and hey, I was single. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, so it was yeah. a good time, man. Yeah, but, sounds like a good time. Yeah, so, so Oklahoma City was great. And, yeah. and those guys are great. The mission they do here is is awesome, because we have all these professional pilots. And let me tell you, if you're interested in, if you're a pilot and you want to work for this agency, I highly suggest you apply. Because not only do you get to be a pilot, you get to be a cop. Man. You get to do, you get to have a gun. You get to do a lot of <laughs> other things, right? Yeah. And not just be a pilot. And you get to travel. And, and the mission, if you're down for that service for country, I mean, that's mm. one way to do it. Yeah. If you're, if you're thinking about leaving the military, you're almost down and you're a pilot, I mean, I would apply. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a pilot personally. Because I like to work hard, and those guys <laughs> just wiggle sticks or whatever. But, <laughs> but you know, it's just I. We're always recruiting. We always need good guys that want to fly because it's hard to compete with airlines. Yeah. That I would, you know, one hundred percent recommend working for the Office of Air and Marines. It's, it's an off, it's an awesome place to work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, it's we were talking about does the politics or whatever trickle down into what we do. Yeah. Um, and with us, no, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of, we're, we're task based. We're a customer. We are kind of a customer support or Mm. customer service, right? We provide a customer service to other people So we support a lot of different agencies. They, they request us to do our thing. So we just, you know, you point us to where you need us to go and that's what we'll do for you. Gotcha. You know, so that nothing really affects us. All the guys are hard charging, you know, and, um, enjoy what we do. I mean, you, you get to fly. Yeah. You know, and not a lot of people get to do that for a living. I mean, it's a dangerous type of deal, but but you also, with that danger, comes all of the, a lot of those benefits, right? Sure. And that satisfaction, that job satisfaction. It's,
1: yeah. it's it's gravy,
0: man. It's nice.
1: Yeah. Speaking of job satisfaction or just being satisfied,
0: do you feel satisfied where you are in life? In life, you know, yeah, I I really do. I'm like inside of four years from being eligible to retire from my from my job. Yeah. I probably won't. I mean, it's, it's it's such a fun job and I think at 57 it's mandatory that you retire. You you, know, you you can't carry a gun anymore essentially. Yeah. If you've put in a full 20 plus. But satisfied. Yeah. I mean, and I'm I'm doing some other like mental exercises. We are talking like I'm I'm working on these these prolonged fasting to help for mental clarity. Um I'm reading a lot about stoicism Mm. and just kind of having that, that, you know, Hey, it is what it is. You know, you can only control what you can control. You can't, once it's out there, it's, it's up to everybody else. So it takes a lot of pressure off of you. You know, you don't have to, you're not trying to to satisfy everybody. You just, there's you, you, you do what you have to do and then let whatever else just, it happens Yeah, type of deal. So yeah, yeah, I'm in a great place, you know, newly married, like I said, and, and we're talking about the dink, right? The yeah. double income, no kids, all the kids. So between Carrie and I, I mean, we had a blended family with with her, her daughters, and then with my son and daughter and um, Emma, the the youngest, just graduated this past May. Nice. So she's off and and starting school, and um, things are going to happen that are going to it's going to suck, you know. And you've got to have to kind of embrace that a mm-hmm. little bit, embrace the suck, deal yeah. with it, work through it, and then come out the other side whether you're you, you're unscathed or not you've, you've got those scars that you've learned from yeah and uh i try to i try to tell my son that you know i you try to give him the wise man advice right <laughs> he's like hey i wouldn't do that that's not a good idea you know and uh but he does it anyway I mean, right. Yeah, all right he's gonna learn his own way and, and and the same advice my father gave me you know you shouldn't do that but i just i'm gonna do it my way and then you learn right mm-hmm. and i just tell my i wouldn't change anything at all because it wouldn't make me who I am, you know, like it wouldn't it. put me down that path. Yeah, 100%. I've had all of those little things like like bump into that wall and it puts me in this direction, and then I have another person, I bump off of them, and then it works for me. It just the people you meet in life really make you or break you, you know, mm. the, the, the who you have in your circle really is important. Yeah, and, and for those that are maybe you feel like you're getting tugged one way by a group that you don't really you know it's probably not the best way to go and there's probably the reason you think that is because it's probably not the best way to go and then you keep that, keep the good and you kind of like shed off the bad. Yeah. You know, that's what I, that's what I would tell myself. It's like, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna come and go, man, and and just kind of roll with the punches. I like it, man. What are you most proud of? I'm proud of just being a good father, you know, and I'm proud of what I've done and it's just, I'm proud of the friends that I have, yeah, and, and I'm happy that happy where I'm at. You know? Yeah, I love it, man.
1: I'm proud that we're we're friends and we're connected, you know. Yeah, no kidding. It's great, man. Yeah,
0: we've tried to connect multiple times, yeah. you know. It's just yeah. it was bad bad juju at the time. Yeah. We couldn't make it work. Yeah, but yeah, it's I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Yeah, our
1: sponsor actually lives down in the Houston Conroe area, so we we'll right. have to make a connection. Somehow. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Make no. some good brisket. Good people.
0: Yeah, Amazing you know, I, I think I saw that that tweet this morning, right? The, <laughs> yeah. Up early with the brisket, a little late, yeah. but it's still on. Yeah. 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 That, I I like brisket. I'll never turn around a good oh, turn a good brisket. Yeah. Last question. Mm-hmm. How do you want
1: to be remembered? I want to be
0: remembered as a as a, a loving person. You know, a good man that cares that is genuine. That I don't want to. I don't want to leave this earth with somebody saying, Man, that guy's a jerk." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I. I don't. When I, I. mean, I want to be able to touch people like in a way to say, "Hey, I leave an impression on them. That's a good impression." Yeah. So I. I, I just want to be remembered as just a, a great guy, somebody that can tell a great story, somebody that's fun to drink a beer with, mm-hmm. or a, share a story with, or, yeah. or something like that, and and just having having friends. And I was telling you earlier, like. My wife is the life of the party, and like I said, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have a whole lot of friends because her her big friend circle yeah. is my big friend circle now. So, and and I hope that these people that I meet are are say, hey, yeah, he's a nice guy. He'll take care of her. He takes care of every the kids and all that. And that's just you know just being a good hearted man. You know, yeah. I want to I want to be able to replicate my father. You know, mm-hmm. and be kind of like him too. Awesome, he's the man. same way.
1: You know? that's awesome. Man.
0: Well, you're on the right track to do that. I
1: appreciate your time and thank you for your service to our great country and thank you for your friendship. Man. Hey, it's my
0: pleasure. thank you yeah, so much. Absolutely. My appreciate pleasure. it. Yeah. yeah.
1: For more defining moments podcast content, visit our webpage, www.undefeated.show. Follow us at Def Moments Pod on Twitter and at Defining Moments Podcast on Instagram.